Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello listeners, welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast episode 224. I'm your host Steve Burnham. Now although COVID-19 dominates conversations these days, one mustn't forget that normal taxation matters and issues are still occurring out in taxpayer world. One element in the arena of small business is the restructuring of a business, which is where the small business restructure rollover concession may come into play. Now the small business restructure rollover allows small businesses to transfer active assets from one entity, the transferor, to one or more other entities, transferees, without incurring an income tax liability. Now the rollover applies to the transfer of active assets that are capital gains tax assets, trading stock, revenue assets or depreciating assets. Now um, we spoke to uh, Dr Mark Pizzicala of BDO about the small business restructure rollover concession and how it works. Um, you were instrumental, I think, in drafting that uh, initiative. Is that right, Mark? Is that, well, I can't take right? uh, I can't take the credit. That's obviously the government, yeah, but uh, certainly, certainly, uh, the government did involve us uh, in, in helping out in right. determining what the restructure rollover relief should look like. So um, you, you you might have to refresh one, well, certainly for me, but you'll have to refresh us on what the. Uh, SBRR, I think it's known as concession, does and how it came to be law. That's right. Well, look, it's, it's a unique feature of Australia's tax landscape. It provides income tax relief to small business owners when restructuring their affairs. And it's actually quite a welcome relief because owners now can restructure um, their um, investment vehicles and their business vehicles to more suit the operations that they have. How does the concession sit with the, within the government's tax policy environment? Well, look, over the years, um, I think tax policy environment uh, within the government circles, um, they're very supportive of uh, SME, you know, concessions. Yep. Uh, and as a result, um, what we've been doing at the Board of Tax is, is liaising with government and, and Treasury and emphasising very much the business life cycle of a, of a small business and making sure that, you know, as concessions are introduced, that the concessions reflect that juncture in the small business life cycle that the business is in. So what I mean by that is, you know, at the start of a business life cycle of a small business, obviously cash is paramount for survival. Uh, And then as the business grows, it will require different concessions. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a different structure, of course, you want to go for... And maybe a different structure. ...sole trader to a company or whatever's whatever's needed. Exactly right. So um, the concession has now been in place since uh, 1 July 2016, I believe. Are taxpayers actually using it? Well, I guess, look, it was um, introduced from 1 July 16, as you say, and, and the 30 June 17 income year has just ended. So anecdotal evidence from people I speak to and practitioners I speak to suggests that they are being used, but it's, and it's being used as part of an armoury of other concessions. So you've still got your Section 122 capital A concession, mm-hmm. which is a trusted company rollover. You have your, your partnership to company rollover. You've also got your small business CGT concession. So this restructure relief provides yet another way in which taxpayers can reorganise their affairs without suffering adverse tax consequences. And there's a number of reasons why they may wish to restructure. Uh, Businesses grow um, and develop. Uh, They have unnecessary compliance costs sometimes because they're in complex structures. 
they need to achieve greater business efficiencies, they need to adapt to current conditions, and so all these things, um, to achieve all these things, the small business restructure rollover enables them to change structures, not have an adverse tax impact, um, and get into a structure that better suits their current requirements. Yeah, yeah, that sounds sensible. Just delve into the detail a little bit, uh, Mark. How, how, do, how do taxpayers qualify for the concession? Sure. Well, look, look like any good uh, tax law, there's always um, strict conditions that, that need to be uh, abided by. Right. Uh, so there's about six eligibility con- conditions. Uh, firstly, the transfer of assets needs to be part of a genuine restructure, which we can discuss that a bit later. Each party to the transfer needs to be a small business entity, as defined in the tax law. Um, the transaction does not materially change the ultimate economic ownership of the business. Um, the asset must be an active business at the time that it's transferred to the other entity. Both the transferor and transferee need to be residents for tax purposes of Australia, and the transferor and transferee need to choose to apply the rollover relief. Right. Okay, so just going back to what you said at the start of um, that piece, um, you mentioned a genuine restructure. What, what does that mean? Exactly. Sure, no, good point. So the requirement that a rollover be undertaken uh, has to be of a, a genuine restructure nature. I mean, it's basically an integrity provision, and it's intended to ensure that only restructures that genuinely improve the performance of a business are undertaken. So the ATO has issued some guidance uh, as to what a genuine restructure looks like or the criteria that they're looking for. Uh, to give you some examples, it needs to be a bona fide commercial arrangement. The business continues under the same ultimate economic ownership. The transferred assets continue to be used under the new structure. The new structure um, is probably the structure that the taxpayers would have adopted had they had their time again, because sometimes people, as I said earlier, um, for various reasons, find themselves in the wrong structure to start mm. with. But after they've worked it all out, they know what, where they should have been. I mean, I can, I can understand that. Yeah, and there's mm. a number of reasons why they're in the wrong, wrong structure, as we said, and particularly mm. they, they might have got the wrong advice or, or they might not have sought advice. So, so mm. there's all these things. And, and, and lastly, the restructure uh, shouldn't be tax-driven. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, mm. like, a, lot of, a lot of things, like investments also Correct. follow that, that rule. Correct. Now, the, in relation to the genuine restructure... Um, uh, apparently there's a rule that there must also be, or there is also a safe harbour rule. Um, can you explain that a little bit? Sure. So so the safe harbour rule was introduced as an alternative to satisfying the genuine restructure requirement. And essentially um, it requires that there be no change in the ultimate economic ownership of any of the assets which were transferred for three years following the rollover. So more specifically, the requirements to qualify for the safe harbour are that there is no change in the ultimate economic ownership of the assets, of the significant assets that are transferred, that those significant assets transferred continue to be active assets of the business that's conducted in the new structure, and there's not a significant or material use of the significant assets for private purposes. So essentially, the way it was meant to work is that, look, if you have a restructure, if it's for for bona fide purposes, as long as once you do the restructure, nothing changes in the business, then you would qualify under that safe harbour provision. Mm. Have, have there been any private rulings issued by the ATO since these rules have been um, in play? Yeah, look, there, there have been a couple of private rulings issued, and um, we, you know, it's always good when when they are issued because it just provides us with a, a sense check of um, of how to apply the rules, uh, particularly as they're brand new. Um, mm. 
there's a couple of private rulings. I'll talk about the first one. The first one actually related to the ultimate uh, economic ownership test, um, whereby a taxpayer that was running a business in their own name transferred the business to a company that was 100% owned by a trust. Um, and this is a really important ruling because what it showed was that it was found that the ultimate economic ownership test was failed because under the original structure, the individual owned all of the assets, whereas under the new structure, the transfer of the assets was not made to the trust, but it was actually made to a company that was owned by a trust. And so it was found that that meant you didn't satisfy the, uh, um, the ultimate economic ownership test. Now, this is a real technical position that's undertaken, that's been um, stated here under this ruling. And so it could very well be a sleeper for practitioners if, they, um, if they're not familiar with it. You mentioned that the, the ultimate economic ownership um, shouldn't or cannot change under the rules. Mm. Um, just to explain to, well, to me, <laughs> to sort it out in my own mind, but also for our listeners, um, can you provide examples of, of how that works? Sure. Well, uh, if you can picture um, three partners in a partnership, mm -hmm. partners one, two and three, and they own a business and they want to transfer their business into a unit trust structure um, and they each acquire one-third ownership of the unit trust units, then in that particular case, there will be no change in the ultimate economic ownership because all they've done is they still own a third each, it's just under a different structure. Right. Importantly, though, the proportion has to be the same. So if, for example, two of the partners are married and they decide that they want to change their two-thirds ownership amongst each other, mm. then they will fail the test. So, so you need to have the same owners and the same proportions. Okay, yeah.